This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get things going. It's a Calgary Flames game day from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. The lone visit to Calgary for the Toronto Maple Leafs. 7 o'clock puck drop. 6 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg and Pete Labardius. Then Lou and Derek with the call right here. On your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Another edition of Sportsnet today coming your way from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio here in beautiful Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Lots to get to this hour as the uh, show goes on. We will chat with the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Pete Labardius, in just moments to get you all set for the Leafs and the Flames tonight from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Leafs coming off of a loss last night up the road in Edmonton. 5-2 to the Oilers. And uh, get your game sheet out for this one. Uh, new places, new names and new places for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, a handful of trade deadline acquisitions for them uh, ahead of the trade deadline that still have to make their Leafs debut. So we'll Try to bring you up to date with all of that uh, with Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, coming up later this hour. See what perhaps is left for the Toronto Maple Leafs in all of this. And, uh, of course, it wouldn't be a day this week if there wasn't more massive trades uh, ahead of Friday's trade deadline. So we'll get you up to date with everything across the NHL. Plus, it's Thursday, which means it's uh, time for a check-in with uh, Adnan Verk. Uh, from MLB and NHL Network later on today as well. Well, let's kick things off like we always do, heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, saying hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius. He's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? A uh, beautiful day here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, so I am very good. Yes, and one of the uh, unique games on the schedule every single year Yeah, uh, when one of the league's original six teams comes to town, and uh, we saw it last night in Edmonton, as we always do. The blue and white fans come out in uh, in droves for these games, and it always adds a little extra juice to uh, the saddle dome. I wish they would come about seven times a year. And they did kind of one year. The problem was yes. nobody was in the building <laughs> to enjoy it. No one. Um, and that's never going to happen. But I, I personally would have been very much in favor in terms of alignment to have a Canadian division or at least a scenario where those teams played one another, you know, four or five times a year instead of we get one visit. So uh, I always really enjoy it immensely. It makes the games feel bigger and more important. And 
you know, Toronto has been a pretty fantastic team, at least regular season-wise, for many years now. And I'm going to guess that their faithful are as excited as maybe they've ever been, despite having their uh, tails handed to them last night by Connor McDavid and company. And in a game that might have been one of the best Connor McDavid regular season performances I have witnessed. And that's saying something. He has a couple well, of good ones a year, he, eh? Uh, well, he has nothing but good ones in a lot of different ways. But the difference for me last night is how do you do against other elite premier players? And the Toronto Maple Leafs have them in droves themselves. And it wasn't even close who the best player in that game was. So if you even strictly said to yourself, which I have a tendency to do when I watch and analyze and evaluate, I think Austin Matthews is a fantastic player. Unless people saw it different, and maybe they did. And I also think in Toronto, Mitch Marner never gets enough credit for what he brings to the table. And he had two more points last night, but... It was no contest. He was better than everybody by a considerable margin. And that's not easy to do in a matchup like that. From a Flames perspective, we'll see the same lines and pairings that we saw go up against Boston on Tuesday. The only change will be Jacob Markstrom gets the start in goal. That's not a surprise, Lou. The coach was very upfront about this yesterday. Uh, in his meeting with the media following practice, that they would like to get Jacob Markstrom on a roll, and that uh, begins tonight. Well, it does, and he's going to be given every opportunity, and I truly believe he should be given every opportunity, um, and it becomes a very important time for him, but not just for him. Logan, we will get there. We're not going to get there today, but I promise you at some point we're going to have a very frank and pretty open discussion about this season, at least through my lens, and why maybe it hasn't worked. But it's not the time for that because there's still 21 games left. But it is as simple as this, and tonight is going to be an incredibly stiff test. Every night for this group, in its own respect, is a stiff test. They played a great game against the Boston Bruins, but the result was the same so this truly is a time each and every night where your best goalie has to be at his best your best defensemen have to be at their best and your best forwards have to be at their best this season has been a year where rarely has that been the case on very many nights and it probably is the simplest evaluation of why this team you know has been a save and a goal short. Probably doesn't run much deeper than that. So it's in the players' hands now. It's Jacob Markstrom's net. There's a lot of talk swirling about even some players that have either been around here for a long time, like Michael Backlund. His name has come up this week in potential moves. So has Elias Lindholm. This is a pretty interesting time considering the Calgary Flames are the only team 
that hasn't made a move all season long as far as trades are concerned. And that's probably the bigger story and the bigger analysis of everything that's happening in Calgary with the Calgary Flames. But for tonight, you're down to 21. Do you need to go 14 and seven the rest of the way to give yourself a chance or that many points? Yes, you do, but you can't get them all tonight. You can get two tonight. And I know that's a cliche and they are running out of one point nights. I remember Glenn Gulletson many years ago, bringing the term one minute penalties. Well, for this team, it's down to the players on this team, and I know it's a hard time of year, and I know it's been a hard year. People won't come out and say it, but this has been a really difficult year for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, we judge, we break it down every single night, but it's about the Calgary Flames. And it's about the Calgary Flames finding a common bond between that group of players in that room and not missing the playoffs. And they now need help. They're five points out. That's pretty significant with 21 games left. So I don't care. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. You have to get wins. And your best people, even in matchups against teams like Toronto, have got to put their best on the table and win key matchups. And from a Flames perspective, despite the the loss on Tuesday, Lou, there was a lot to like from a Calgary side of things. It was one of their better efforts, I'd say, of the season. Uh, Boston, yes, was at the end of a road trip, but the Flames made life difficult on them. And, you know, probably in most cases that we talked about, probably walk away from that game with two points more nights than not. And that's not something that was lost on the coach, and it's something that they would like to... Again, despite the loss Tuesday, you'd like a lot of what you did in that game against Boston to continue tonight in Toronto and down these last 21 games. Yes, absolutely. Um, And why don't we hear from Daryl Sutter now in regards to, I flat out asked him today, was it different? And I don't think it really was for him. I would say it's one of our better games. I think we've played lots of games like that, and we've seen the very same result lots of times. So you want the result, and I said it's it's not that complicated. That's a, that's a statistic-related game for sure. We need a save, and we need a goal. And yesterday's line stuck with me and will for a long time, and it's kind of been the theme of this hit. They get a lot of A's for effort, and for which are one point efforts, not two. Mm-hmm. You're running out. Of, you're running out of time. And and yet in saying that, there's lots of things going on that I really like. I have loved Jacob Pelche's progression. He has done more than even I thought he was going to do at this level. I've always believed in him, but his smarts, his in infectious nature right now he's the best player on that line but what does that say too and I think he is forming something because I had a visit with Jonathan Huberto 
And I think Jonathan Huberto, players know. Jonathan Huberto, and it's not because they're from the same province and not because they probably spend a lot of time speaking the same language with one another. Good players know. And when I chatted off mic with Jonathan Huberto yesterday, is there still frustration beyond belief? Yes. Do I think he's had very much fun playing a sport that he's very good at? No, not a chance. But do I think slowly but surely he's feeling better? And do I think he has been re-energized even recently by Jacob Pelche? Yes. And the reason is Jonathan Huberto wants the puck. That's his game. Does it always fit for how this team plays? No, I don't think it always does, to be honest. But now on that line, if Nazem Kadri can get back to a really high level, which I don't think he's been at for a couple of weeks, I think Jonathan is scratching it. And I think Jacob Pelche right now is really helping drive that group to a better place. Because those two guys in particular, they can think it. And they can make plays. So that's how I feel about that grouping. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good one. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen the video now, Lou, on, on social media after the goal. You saw Jacob Pelche on the bench with, with Jonathan. And, you know, he, 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 I like the word. He's just such an infectious young man to to be around. And we, when you've had a season that's gone the way it has for not only for the Flames, but for Jonathan Huberto on a personal level, you know, to have someone like Jacob who's a very positive young man who's got that sort of energy, make no doubt about it. That, that's a, a very powerful thing that that can be for those two guys. It is a powerful thing in every walk of life. And not a lot of people have it. They love that kid in there. I guarantee it. Respectful, infectious, growing in confidence as an NHLer every day. And I think the hardest marker in the whole organization is the coach. And I think he's bought in too. Yeah. And he's and he is the hardest sell that you can probably find. And I think he's buying in more and more all the time too. Uh, Chad with Pete Lombardi, it's the color voice of the Calgary Flames. You're on a game day, Flames and Maple Leafs. This is game two of a three-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. It ends off Saturday night when they welcome in the Minnesota Wild. Uh, wanted to get a couple thoughts for you on this Toronto group, Lou, and they are, if not the busiest, then one of the busiest teams uh, ahead of the NHL's trade deadline. It all started off with a, uh, a masterful move to pull in uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari from the St. Louis Blues, but since then, uh, you know, go down the list. Uh, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, uh, Luke Shen finds himself back in Toronto colors. Uh, Eric Gustafson, the former Flame, is now a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it's been a lot of moves for Kyle Dubas' group. When you look at it, Lou, 
Um, what do you like about this group? What do you like about the changes for them and, and the all-in mentality that they've sort of given off the last couple weeks here? Well, I think it runs a little deeper than just the all-in mentality. I think what it has shown is what you value. And I think, you know, I don't know the man. He might not even know me in a police lineup talking about Kyle Dubas. Our, our paths have just never really crossed. He, he really came into the junior circuit when I left. Um, which is usually where I have made my best and long-lasting um, closer relationships in the sport. But I think Kyle, like many people, one way or another, I think Kyle has never seen more value in not just high-end skill, but high-end competitive people and that's the part he's been missing. They've had lots of skill. They need more winners. And I think the dilemma in the NHL and virtually almost all pro sports of today, because it is different, Logan, trust me, it's different, is how do you evaluate who to win with and who you can't? And if you make those decisions the right way for your group, you have a chance to win. And the best, most talented players don't always win. But when you combine talent where it's not about individual success and it's not about how much money and it's not about their lifestyle it's about winning a Stanley Cup. And I'm sorry, people may disagree. All the guys in the NHL are not motivated by winning the Stanley Cup. They're not. They want to. Everybody wants to win. But do you care enough about winning and your teammates Is that first or is that second? So I think Kyle, who, listen, when I listen to him speak, when I see his ascension to where he has come at a young age, I know he is an incredibly bright, intelligent, smart young person. There is no doubt he is in the upper echelon of all those things. You can't do what he's done in his hockey life at his age if you are not special. But I truly believe you learn from losing, not from winning. And I think he has really tried to learn from maybe what the Leafs haven't been able to do. I think he's taken a deeper look in his division at what the most successful teams have and what they've done. And I think he's tried to surround his young, growing, unbelievably talented people with people who are beyond driven 
to try to win either again or now. We'll see what that means uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Does it mean they can get out of a first-round potential playoff matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning? We'll see, and we'll uh, see what kind of impact it might have in tonight's game as we get, uh, of course, no morning skate for the Leafs, so hard for us to tell who may be in or may be out. You'll have to tune in to Flames warm-up around 6.30 tonight. uh, Lou and Pat will be keeping a close eye on that uh, from the Toronto side of things as they've had so many new bodies in and out uh, we're trying to figure out who exactly may be in, who won't be in for the Leafs. So uh, keep it tuned to that uh, for sure tonight as we have Flames warm up at 6 o'clock with Lou and Steinberg. Before I let you go, Peter, uh, a trade we talked about in the NHL not all that long ago uh, has now apparently evolved. Uh, we talked not long oh, yeah. ago about uh, the LA Kings and the, I guess we'll call it unceremonious end to Jonathan Quick's time. Uh, as a member of the LA Kings as he was shipped off to the Blue Jackets as part of a trade that saw Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Korpisalo head back to LA. Well, uh, a division rival has taken note who needs uh, goaltending help, and uh, according to Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff, the Vegas Golden Knights have taken a stab and have uh, acquired Jonathan Quick now from the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, what an interesting thing that does in the Pacific Division, Lou, and uh, as I check the calendar, these two teams will meet up in March. So Jonathan Quick will get a chance to see his old team. They might even meet in the playoffs, Lou. But how about that? Jonathan Quick, uh, out of L.A., thinks he's headed to Columbus, but the Golden Knights swoop in and pick up the NHL vet and certainly make for a, an interesting conversation now in the Pacific. Isn't this... Like, if you can pull yourself back, Logan, which we all should be able to, do you ever remember heading into the playoffs more interesting storylines in the league? I don't. Not there's there's Eastern, they're all over. They're all over. The Eastern Conference, you know, has just turned into absolute must watch, must evaluate, just You know, you think about Toronto and Tampa, you think about New Jersey and the Rangers, you think about all the moves that have gone on, you think about even, you know, what Ottawa continues to work on and try to build for the future. You think about the race out there for the wild card spots, just a little different than last year when it was known who the eight groups were going, eight teams are going to be virtually for half the year. Now in the West, you know, lots of moves have gone on. And that one is, you know, a Vegas team who lost Robin Leonard for the year, I think made a mistake on the Marc-Andre Fleury front to begin with. Those things happen. Um, Bill Foley, the owner there, is beyond all in, and I think beyond all involved there they've been nothing but around it ever since they got into the league and now they're going to bring in a guy who will never be more motivated maybe in his entire career to prove two things that the LA Kings made a huge mistake and that he still has game left 
And I can't tell you which way it's going to go. Because in the last couple of years, the truth is Jonathan Quick hasn't been what he was. But I'm not also going to bet against a guy who might be one of the greatest goaltending warriors that the position has ever seen. I don't think there's a lot of long-term elite Jonathan Quick left. But there just might be one more chapter left before he rides into the sunset the way he wants to. And that door just got opened by the Vegas Golden Knights. It's going to be something to watch for uh, down the stretch here. We're not even at uh, trade deadline day yet, and we continue to have uh, massive moves to uh, to dissect. And who knows what we'll have uh, by later tonight when we head down to the uh, Scotiabank Saddle. And that's where we'll hear from you uh, next, Lou, when you uh, join Pat for Flames Warm-Up. Thanks for the time, as always, sir. Uh, you too. Take care. Bye-bye. There you go. P. Labardius joins us every single day to kick off the program. Flames and Maple Leafs tonight. You'll hear Peter on the call with Derek Wills at 7 o'clock. You join Pat for Flames warm-up at 6, and he's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. We'll take a look at the opposition. Uh, Lots of new faces in that Maple Leafs lineup, but still... A very dangerous team coming to Calgary tonight. We'll talk about that with Brent Gunning of Sportsnet 590, the fan, next here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's a Calgary Flames game day, game two of a three-game homestand that began with a loss against the Boston Bruins on Tuesday, and now... Another team from the Atlantic Division in town to take on the Flames. It's some massive players that have been acquired over a two-week period from Kyle Dubas, along with Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner and company. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in town following a loss to the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night. Really looking forward to this one. The Leafs' lone visit to Calgary always brings a little extra juice to the building. It's Logan Gordon along with you. This is Sportsnet Today. Here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And for our look at the opposition today, very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in our pal Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Pre, post game intermissions on all Leafs broadcasts. Brent, thanks so much for doing this today, man. How are you? Yeah, happy to jump on. Uh, always, always excited to talk a little hockey. So thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, busy times. Uh, in Leafsland, I was joking uh, earlier today with a couple of my producers that uh, you're going to need the game notes uh, for once uh, up in the press box tonight for the saddle zone because uh, Kyle Dubas has been as busy as anybody during the last couple weeks here uh, ahead of trade deadline. Give us just the overall impression from your end, Brent, of uh, the moves that Kyle's been able to orchestrate the last couple of weeks. Well, the first blush is, wow, it's a lot. If you would have told me there were close to 10 new players coming in, and basically a third of this team has been overhauled, given the record they've had. And look, I know the playoff failures, but it didn't look like a team that needed that much of a facelift. Obviously, the GM felt differently. I mean, it all started with Ryan O'Reilly. You know, I know the Jake McCabe trade happened in the last couple of days. That is still the big one. What O'Reilly and even Nolachari have done for this team, it's just given them so much of what they've kind of sorely lacked, that – jam that pugnacity all of that stuff that this team has kind of lacked for 
for the entire Matthews Marner era. They've had guys who could bring it, but not enough of them. And you really like what Achari and, and O'Reilly can do there. And then, I mean, Jake McCabe, we're going to have to wait for the returns on because that was as rough a night uh, for anybody in the Leafs jersey last night. He takes a penalty uh, two minutes into his Leaf career. McDavid buries on it. I, I don't need to tell you guys about that. You, you know exactly how, uh, how quick that can happen. So I'm yeah. uh, still waiting to see what the returns are like for, for a guy like Jake McCabe. Sam Lafferty liked the moves as well. And then just a, a lot of depth. I mean, there's, there's a ton of tinkering moves, but also some big ones. So, yeah, you, you, you got to hand it to Kyle Dubas and the fact that he's not sitting around waiting to see how another series against Tampa goes. We all know it's going to be close. Clearly, he wanted to give his team uh, a little more ammo or at least a little different look. You mentioned it a bit there, but I'm curious the early returns from the first trade back on February 17th, that three-way deal with Minnesota and St. Louis that brings Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari to town. What has it looked like so far for the Leafs, especially, I guess, not, not to disregard Chari, I'm sure he's had a big role in it, but Ryan O'Reilly's the big piece and will probably be the biggest piece they bring in ahead of trade deadline. What's that looked like so far for Toronto, Brent? Well, I think we're still kind of waiting to see all of the versions of it. So far, we've just seen O'Reilly centering a second line with John Tavares and one of Mitch Marner or William Nylander. Late in the game last night, you did see him centering his own line with Tavares back in center. I think that's the most interesting thing about this is what this team will look like when they do go with three top six centers in O'Reilly, Tavares, and, and Matthews. From what you've seen from that group so far, you put Tavares and O'Reilly on a line and there's two things that are certain. The foot speed can be an issue at times, but they also won't lose many puck battles together. And you throw William Nylander into that group, he's as strong a player on the puck as there is in this league. So I think that's the biggest thing that jumps out. I mean, O'Reilly came busting out of the gate. His first shift was Saturday night at home against Montreal. He nearly scores. He's already had the hat trick against Buffalo. So you're really seeing it, but I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see when you see this team really roll with three true top six centers and what that can look like because we haven't quite seen that yet and honestly given the way last night went for for the Leafs getting shellacked by the oil I wouldn't be surprised if uh, you did see that tonight you mentioned Jake McCabe and his debut last night and and look 97's done that uh, to many a defenseman that have passed through that building on a regular basis so we'll like you said we'll sort of wait and see what the overall impact looks like with that but outside of that O'Reilly deal I look at McCabe and I say okay that's probably your most established NHL impact ready player that the Leafs have brought in. Would you agree with that? Or do you look at, at perhaps Shen or maybe even Gustafson coming in and playing a, a significant role for the Leafs down the stretch here? As far as the blue line goes, McCabe is a thousand percent the biggest chip that they brought in there. Luke Shen, I think is a guy who can, again, it goes back to what we were saying, what I was saying about Achari. He's a guy who can give the Leafs an element they don't have. I don't know that he's one of their best six defensemen. You'll see him. They didn't They didn't give up a third-round pick for him not to play him, mm. but I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have. Gustafson feels to me like he's going to be a kind of change-of-pace power play guy. If the unit goes stale, maybe that's when he gets in. As for Jake McCabe, you know, this is a guy who can play top four minutes. And, you know, the Leafs have a lot of top four defensemen, but they all feel like number four guys. You know, Mark Giordano, he is long in the tooth, but he can handle those minutes in certain stretches. You know, Justin Hall, he will have stretches where he can't be that guy, but he'll have stretches where he looks like a top-pair shutdown guy. 
And so I think you just have a little more certainty in what you're going to get in McCabe, or at least that would be the hope. And then, you know, we hate talking about the cap, or at least I do. <laughs> but the fact that you have him for two more years at $2 million, that's your Justin Hall replacement right there. And hopefully he's not just a replacement. He's a little bit of a better version. I think that's the biggest thing. Again, we're still waiting to see returns on that. Uh, nobody looked good last night other than the Oilers. What was your surprise level seeing a guy like Rasmus Sandin being dealt to the Washington Capitals in that trade? Not overly surprised. I think okay. just when you look at the flurry of moves that have been made in terms of bringing in blue liners, there obviously wasn't going to be a home for him. I am higher on Sandine than most. I, I understand all the reasons why this team might think he's not ready or he's not seasoned. I also think there's a world in three or four years where you're going to be talking about Sandine as just the type of guy you need to go out and get. But this team doesn't need him to be that guy in three or four years. They don't even need him to be that guy next year. He needs to be that guy now. And so I actually think it's a really nice job of asset management. If you're not going to play him, you don't want to have the asset kind of die on the vine. And if he goes a whole postseason sitting where he's the seventh guy and he can barely get in games, that's not going to do anything to help the player or help what you can get out of him. So I like the move to go out and, yeah, okay, they probably traded for the last pick in the first round. It's Boston's first rounder. But it's a nice nice job of recouping an asset for somebody who clearly wasn't going to be able to find a home here. Uh, and interesting you mentioned that first-round pick because I think a lot of people, myself included, looked at that and said, it could be another interesting chip if Kyle Dubas does want or has something left on the wish list. I don't know what that would look like. Cap space is obviously uh, such a premium at this time of year, and there's still the, the Matt Murray situation to work out. For Toronto, I guess if you were to squint and look at something that the Leafs would be able to add in the next 24, 48 hours, Brent, what would you say that would be? Well, I think the biggest problem is the guy I was sitting there looking at, he got traded this morning and he got traded to Boston. I think Tyler <laughs> yeah. Bertuzzi would have been the perfect fit. The fact that they give a first rounder, and I know it's next year, so it's probably a little better of an asset than Boston's first rounder this year. I think that's the one piece they're still kind of missing. They went out and got so many defensemen. And look, if you're going to make a long run, you need seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 bodies back there. So I understand it. But with moving out Pierre Engvall, and I want to be clear, you know, I'm not sitting here crying uh, over the Leafs losing Pierre Engvall. It's a piece that is totally fine to go. But you do need a little bit more forward depth there. And if it could be a guy who provides a little bit of that snarl, some nastiness, again, just the elements that this team doesn't have in its in its core group, I think that would have been that would have been the perfect fit. So that's what I'd, I'd be interested in seeing. Again, we talked about Justin Hall. He is a guy I imagine would be attractive to two teams. You know, you could potentially pick up another asset for him, package those assets. Alex Kerfoot's money is sitting there. He makes three and a half million. So if you want to package him and the assets as well, you can potentially get creative there. And then you mentioned it. The Matt Murray thing is just sitting there. It is the unknown element in all of this. The team has not been shy about it. They said they want to activate him before not only potentially the trade deadline, but before the end of the regular season they're using some LTIR money of his right now. So if they're going to want to make any more moves, it's not going to come or they're not going to be able to activate a guy like Murray. So I think that's the biggest chip to fall is what will happen with Matt Murray. If you believe the team, he'll be activated at some point between now and then. But as we've seen, teams have been a little cagey with LTIR in the past and the Leafs wouldn't be the first team to do it and they wouldn't be the last. So if they want to get cute with it, that's still a way they could potentially add. And you mentioned it, that that Boston first rounder this year is as good a chip as any. And I don't think they'll do this. And I don't know how much the hype of this guy is percolated outside of Toronto. Mm -hmm. They have a guy in Matthew Nyes who's considered to be, you know, not the best prospect in hockey by any means, but a, you know, a, a really nice, 
chip that could get you probably something equivalent to a first rounder, if not more than that. And he's knocking on the door. So if they really want to get crazy, I imagine that could fetch them something uh, intriguing as well. But I could also see a world where he is that forward who slides into the bottom six. So yeah, that's the, that's the one thing for me is a, is a forward. I think if they're going to make any more moves, it's there. I understand the questions everyone has about goaltending, but I don't think there's a goalie out there that changes their fortunes. Now, if Samsonov were to go down, obviously they're, they're in a, they're in a big jam with two dinged up goalies, but I just don't see the guy out there. I don't think Jonathan quick is coming in to save the day, or, you know, maybe if you could pride Thatcher Demko out of Vancouver, but that seems like a pretty tough deal to do salary wise right now. So I understand the questions about goaltending, but I just don't see a way to make it work for a guy that makes sense. So that's why I would prioritize another kind of middle six forward. Sportsnet 590, the fans, Brent Gunning, joining us this afternoon down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline for our look at the opposition tonight for the Calgary Flames. It is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, I'd have to ask you, because I'm curious if, it, if it's really resonated in Toronto as much as it has when I look at this Leafs team, but I, I really am enamored with the season that William Nylander's having at 72 points. He's second in the team in scoring. Would that have stunned you at the beginning of the year, Brent? Would that be one of those things that we always talk about in season? You go, I would have never seen this coming in September or October when we were looking at this team. I know William Nylander's always had the skill, but for him to have the kind of year that he's had so far seems like an aberration. And maybe not an aberration, but seems like one of those pie-in-the-sky things that you would hope for in the best-case scenario. I, I, you're, you're right. It is a little bit of the best case scenario. The individual numbers for him don't surprise me. If you told me he was going to become a 35, maybe 40 goal guy in his best seasons, I could have absolutely seen that. It surprised me how much he's done that without all the other guys around him lighting it up. If you would have told me that Nylander was going to have that kind of season, I figured Matthews would be right there for the Rocket and Marner would be close to you know leading the league in assists. Not, not that he isn't. And Tavares would be having a big year. And all of those guys have been fine but they haven't been the most elite versions of themselves that we've seen in the past. I mean, obviously, Matthew's coming off the 60-goal season last year. So for Nylander, it's, it's funny. He has been such a whipping boy out here for so long, and he went from having the worst contract on the team to the best contract on the team, and all of a sudden, him and Austin Matthews are up at the same time. And, you know, the, the way both of the, those guys' seasons have gone – the uh, gap between those two numbers of what they're going to be only only continues to shrink. So I'm not surprised at the season Nylander's having. I'm just surprised he's been the offensive catalyst for this team so often. Marner's been that guy as well. Matthews for much smaller stretches than you would expect. But that's the thing that surprised me about it is that Nylander has done it a little bit in a vacuum, and it hasn't been all of them having uh, career years. Talk to me about Michael Bunting. He sure seems like an emotional uh, leader for this team. Day. Like, I just, I can't get enough of it. I love the emotion, and uh, he just seems like a guy that loves to to bring his team into the fight. Tell me a bit about uh, Michael Bunting and how important he is to this Leafs team. Annoying. That's the first thing. <laughs> uh, sometimes even to me, uh, as a guy who watches it all the time. He is drawing with the officials just as much as he's drawing with the opposition. He has that classic, I mean, even if you didn't grow up playing hockey, we've all known kids like that. They just have this ability to give you a look while you're in it with them, and you just want to smack them. You, you can't stand them. And that is exactly what Bunting kind of brings to this team. And again, it's just an element that this team doesn't have. Austin Matthews, for all of his great characteristics and his ability that he has, and he can pop off for 60 on any given season, he, has an, he kind of has an MO of, I'm going to stay above the fray. I'm not going to get too much into it. 
William Nylander, very much the same thing. John Tavares will get mad and smack a guy every once in a while, but it's not quite to that same extent. Bunting is the one guy who will go a little crazy eyes. He has that look of playoff hockey, and it's just such an element that this team doesn't have in its stars. And again, you know, John Tavares, sometimes it gets categorized as sleepy. I don't think it's that. He's just very stoic out there. He stays above things as well. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Marner, you know, he'll, he'll stick his nose in there as the fifth guy or fourth guy in a scrum because that's his job. He's not supposed to be in the midst of it. Bunting is one of the few guys in that top six who will give you that. Obviously, O'Reilly can add that now as well. But he's just such an important player. And this part, I don't know how much it gets, it gets credit outside of the market. Austin Matthews is not by any means a difficult guy to play with. This isn't a Sidney Crosby, Chris Kunitz situation from, from all those years ago. But I don't know that I've seen a guy who has better chemistry for, it, for his skill level than Bunting has with Matthews. Obviously, Matthews and Marner, they're magic, but that's two all-star level guys fighting each other. Bunting has a knack for playing with good players, being in the right spot, making these little connecting passes that are maybe the third assist if there if there was such a thing. And he produces as well. He's going to have another 60-point season or something close to it. So that is a that's a heart and soul guy on a team that doesn't always look like they have them. I'm not saying they don't, but it just doesn't always look that way. Uh, I'm so happy you asked me about him because I could, I could gush about bunting all day long. It was found money. It's, it's maybe one of Kyle Dubas's best piece of business getting him uh, as a, as a free agent out of Arizona. Yeah. How big would you say he is when it comes to that list of UFAs? And I know it's, it's hard to say now when there's still 20 games left and however many in the postseason. but when you look at that list of UFAs, where would you have, Michael Bunting in terms of importance and retaining him into next season and going forward. It's a really, really tricky conversation because of everything I just said, he clicks so well with the guy who you hope is your number one center for, you know, a hundred years going forward. He Mm -hmm. plays his whole career there. He clicks so well with him. But I think the thing that can't be discounted is that there are other people who can do that job. Not anybody can do that job. I sometimes think people think that of, oh, just throw any winger who is a little gritty. No, you have to have the right hockey sense. You have to have the right skill. You have to have the right presence to to play with guys like that. But I also think that in a world where just the cap world we live in, it feels like at the end of the first flurry of free agency, there's always one or two kind of marquee guys. And I'm not talking the cadre level from last year, but these kind of middle six winger types who if you're looking at a one-year show-me deal, well, playing next to Austin Matthews is a pretty good place. So I don't think the Leafs shouldn't pay him at all, but some team is going to pay him more than the Leafs can afford to, and he is the caliber of player that, unfortunately, those are the guys who have to take hometown discounts. You know, we always talk about it with the biggest guys, and, yeah, Austin Matthews might cut you a couple hundred K off the deal here or here or there, but it's the Michael Buntings who have to really show. He is a Toronto guy. He talks all the time about how much he loved being a Leaf. If he really loves it at the end of this season, he's probably going to have to prove it by taking a pretty steep discount. And maybe that means a ton of term. Maybe that's what it means. But there will be a team out there that will give him something like the Zach Hyman deal. And I think teams will talk themselves into that. Now, Zach Hyman's a different player. He's a better player than Michael Bunting. But just given the success he's had, I can easily see teams talking themselves into it. Uh, Just a couple more for you, Brenton. Speaking of hometown discounts, the guy on the biggest hometown discount is a very familiar face uh, around here. That's Mark Giordano, uh, a longtime flame, a very uh, well-looked-upon former member of the Calgary Flames, the former captain here. Uh, I don't hear anything but good things out of Toronto when it comes to what this guy brings night in, night out. And it's not that he's at the Norris level that he was at one point during his tenure with the Calgary Flames, but 
It's just the value, the leadership, all of those sort of qualities that we associate with Mark Giordano sure to be shining through or seem to be shining through, I should say, in Toronto as well. Yeah, he's just he's a grown up. He's an adult. And again, this is still a relatively they're not a young team in terms of NHL years. But when you look at it, 24, 25, that's kind of the peak ages. And yes, Tavares and O'Reilly help kind of raise that up. Brody, another guy, you, you know, well, but he has just been through this grinder so many times. He, he is he's captained two teams in, in the NHL. And I think that the biggest surprise with him is that when they made the move late in the deadline, because I think that was one they made right on deadline day, right up to the wire last year. And it was, okay, let's see what he has. You know, this is an aging player. He's been playing in a conference that we don't get to see a ton of him. Let's see what he has. And it's been nothing but a pleasant surprise. He's been really, really important for, for pairing with a young defenseman in Timothy Lilligren. He has been the kind of steadying force. It's so important for young D in this league to have a reliable partner. And the fact that Giordano has just been that for, for so many guys, or at least been what he is in the league for so long. Yeah, not a, not a bad word to say about him at all. And the other part about it as well is that I think the biggest, the other biggest surprise is that he has been taxed with so many minutes and he's been able to handle them you know this team with all the bodies they have on the blue line there's been a lot of talk of a rotation or how do you mix guys in this goes back to the conversation we had about sandy at the very beginning and he hasn't missed a day and he doesn't want to miss a day and you know i father time is undefeated at some point in time it'll come for him but it's been amazing what he's been able to do and uh the the shop block record was fun but a little a little overstated (laughs) but all of that was just uh yeah it's been great to have uh, giordano as a lead he's done so much for the team uh and last but not least brent i always like to ask uh when we do these uh look at the oppositions if you could give our listeners and the people in calgary here someone maybe under the radar that we haven't talked about today that's really stood out in your mind for this Leafs team, because we obviously we're going to talk about Matthews and we talked about Nylander, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always that one guy that I feel you don't appreciate unless you see him on a regular basis. If I was to ask you who that would be for the Leafs right now, who would you say? I can't believe I'm going to say this guy so, so early into his Leafs career. I think it's Nola Chari. This okay. is a guy that the team has been kicking tires on for such a long time. He just, he plays such a, heavy two-way game and last night in that game against the Oilers he was one of the few his line was one of the few lines that was able to create some pushback this team struggles with having pushback without creating offense sometimes you just need a good positive shift in the offensive zone a good heavy forecheck and they've kind of lacked that in the past so uh it's a chari if you didn't ask me about bunting it would have been him but it's a chari. yeah I had a feeling it might have been bunting but uh, I like a chari <laughs> just as well Brent thanks so much for the time today man really do appreciate it uh enjoy the stretch run enjoy the game tonight we'll chat with you Again, sometime soon, hey? Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Brent Gunning joining us from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto with our look at the opposition today, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Brent, pregame, postgame, intermissions for Leafs broadcast on our sister station, Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. And yes, a stiff test tonight for the Calgary Flames. Uh, It'll be an angry, grumpy team from uh, Toronto making their way into town tonight after what was a, a pretty solid performance for the Edmonton Oilers last night against the Maple Leafs. Uh, No morning skate for Toronto today, obviously coming off of back-to-backs, so we will wait and see who of those new faces may be in the lineup, may not be in the lineup. Will we see uh, Luke Shen perhaps make uh, his second Leafs debut tonight against the Calgary Flames? We'll have to wait and see, Uh, but once again, thank you to Brent Gunning for joining us. Down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline, for today's look at the opposition. We will take a break and come back on the other side. We'll shift focus back over to the Calgary Flames. It is a game day 
Uh, and we'll hear from a couple members of the Flames, including head coach Daryl Sutter, Mackenzie Wieger, and Michael Backlund. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.